0: We're talking about our identity. Uh, we started a new series. We really kind of launched this during Easter Sunday a couple of weeks ago, that uh, this this thought, this idea that we are chosen and how to find our identity in Christ. And we discovered that when, when Adam sinned, that the problem Jesus came to solve, so many believers, uh, I think maybe especially those that aren't believers, the world, I think they have this concept and this idea that the reason Jesus came is he came to make bad people good. And I think sometimes they eliminate themselves from the gift, the greatest gift of all, the gift of salvation, because they think, you know, there's no way I can live up to that. And, you know, they say things like, um, and, you know, I appreciate their honesty. They say things like, you know, I, I don't want to be like other Christians I know. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I mean, if I'm going to live it, I want to live it. And if I'm not or can't, then I don't want to say I am and go to church and pretend I do when, does that make sense? And maybe you've been there. Maybe that was you. Maybe you know family and friends like that. And I think that all comes out of, a, I think they mean well, but I think it comes out of a, a misunderstanding of the problem Jesus came to solve, that. When Adam sinned, we were created in God's image and his likeness. And um, when God created man, unlike everything else he created, or the animal kingdom he created, when God created man, it says he breathed into Adam the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And so when Adam sinned, he was disconnected from the life of God. And he lost his sense of identity because he lost his connection to the tree of life. And so now he was connected to something he was never intended to be connected to. His source became, was exchanged, life was exchanged for another source, which was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I've shared this before that, you know, we kind of think of, you know, sin is. Is all bad, it's 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 evil, and sin is bad. The wages of sin is death, and and it is evil. But according to this passage, sin could also be defined as not good in that it's good, but good in that it's not life. People that think, well, I'm a good person. Well, you know what? Jesus didn't. Come to make bad people good. You being good or bad wasn't the problem. The problem was we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. Does that make us? that make sense? It's not a good or bad issue. It's a, are you connected to the tree of life issue? Yeah, well, I'm a good person. Okay, you're still eating from the wrong tree. I'm not evil. That's fine, okay. So you're on this branch and they're on that branch, but it's the same trunk right? And so Jesus, whether you're good or bad, really isn't the point. The point is, have you switched trees? Have you had this uh, encounter with Jesus where, okay, now I've been born again and my identity and my life is connected to the tree of life? Amen? And that's why the word says, he who has the son has the life, has life, but he who doesn't have the son does not have the life of God abiding in him. Amen? It's a life issue. It's not a good, bad issue. And and so when when Adam ate of that tree, he was disconnected. He began, so now humanity, uh, because there was that disconnect and there was no longer life, uh, so once his identity was devoid of life, now Adam's, humanity's belief system goes into action to manufacture an acceptable alternative to being dead. For some people, that's addiction. For some people, that addiction's alcohol. For some people, that addiction's drugs or pills. Uh, For some people, it's food. For some people, it's shopping. For some people, it's sex. For some people, it's entertainment. For some people, it's fill in the blank. Right? Fill in the blank. But what it is, it just it's it's an identity that's devoid of the life of God. So now my belief system goes into uh, overtime to to create and produce a sense of, of being alive. For some people, it's adventure. For some people, they become workaholics. Uh, their identities in their job. For some people, they become codependent. Their identities all wrapped up in who they know. It, for some people, it's ministry. Been there, done that. It's church, right? And we can get caught, and we can we get tied into churchianity, not Christianity, right? And that can happen too. So God's plan, and I want to bring this up. Remember our our five circles. When we we go to changing things, and not only does the world operate this way, um, if you'll bring up those circles of change, guys, that slide. Thank you. Um, we, we remember the kingdom of god operates from the inside out not the outside in and so many times when we want to change an aspect of our life and we use the example of dieting last week and i'm not going to go through that i encourage you to to go to face, our facebook page and and listen to that or watch the video but we often begin in our environment we you know if i just get uh, maybe if i get a new spouse or uh, you know maybe if i get a new job or i get a new house or i get a new car or maybe if i change cities you know i just Need a whole new environment, and we try to make changes that way, and it usually is never long-lasting because we discover that wherever you go, there you are, and and it's amazing, you know, people who and and no, um, there is no shame or guilt or condemnation if you've been married more than once. You know what? You're a new creation in Christ. God forgives you. Divorce is not the unforgivable unfor, uh, sin. Amen. Um, so we, we, we learn from our mistakes. Sometimes, you know, we go through divorce and it's no fault of our own. Life happens. Um, you know, people have challenges and, and, and it, maybe it just didn't work out. And I know there's hurt and pain in that. And so I, I don't take that lightly, but it, it, it's always amazed me that oftentimes and, until there's a change, um, when, when one marriage fails, it amazes me that if they're on marriage two, three, or four, they often marry the same type of person they always marry. You know, if it failed because the first husband was an alcoholic, okay, maybe the second husband was an alcoholic, but he's a drug addict. Does that make sense? And then, okay, learn that. And then the third husband, okay, maybe he's not a drug addict or an alcoholic, uh, but he's addicted to porn or whatever. Does this make sense? It, you still see this kind of theme. And why is that? Because wherever you go, there, you are so. Until that internal changes, that identity changes, then then history kind of repeats itself, and and so then if that doesn't work, then I'm going to change my behavior. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop doing this and start doing that. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop eating sugar and uh, get thee behind me donuts, devil. Um, uh, Christy, quit doing that. You know it's her fault. Uh, I ate ten of them. Um, Right. And so we 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 try to change our uh behavior, change our environment. Or I'm I'm gonna stop doing this. I'm gonna start eating healthy. I'm gonna start doing this. And and that usually works for a little while. It's called New Year Resolutions. How long did yours last? Yeah, that's what I thought. Um still paying for the gym membership though, aren't you? Yeah, me too. Um <laughs> so it what happens is it, it works until we run into the set point of our capability and and the capability whatever that set point is and it could be if you we use the example of a thermostat or we could use the example of a cruise control on a car you know it may be 75 it may be 80 or 85 but there may be times in your life that to overcome a a challenge and to bring change, you need to go 100, but your set point won't. It's a governor that is set in place and it won't allow you to get beyond that. So you lost the 10 pounds, but you can't lose the 30. You, you, you quit smoking pot, but you can't put down the cigarettes. Right? So there's levels. There's some level of success, but not in every aspect that you desire because you hit a set point, you hit a limitation, you hit because you're relying on your own capability. So that's outside in, that's why it never works. But when you begin to change your identity, when you begin to discover who you are in Christ Jesus and who he created me to be and who he called me to be, it changes everything because when I realize who I am in Christ, it changes what I believe about me. Now I, I believe, you know what, it is, I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, inside out. The kingdom of God, the kingdom, the system, Jesus came uh, to establish. It's, it's always backwards from the world, right? The world says, get all you can and can all you get. And Jesus says, no, there's a person who gives and yet he's made the more rich, the first will be last, and the last will be first. What are you talking about, Willis? Huh? Huh? So Jesus was always reversing. The, uh, you want to be great in the kingdom? Be the servant of all. What? Hmm? Yeah, and Jesus gave the example, and he wrapped himself. The Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, wrapped himself in a towel and washed his followers. He washed their dirty feet. Tell me what other religion did that where the leader, the founder serves the followers, sacrifices for them. Now, every other religion in the world, you sacrifice for that God, right? Right? You detonate a bomb in honor of your God right? You cut yourself. You slash yourself. Think about all the Greek mythology, you know. They would sacrifice things or whatever and to appease the gods, to get favor with the gods. It was always about they had to give something, something they had to, to, to cut themselves or, or, or kill an innocent person, or, or, right? But only Christianity does Jesus come. God became flesh, and he serves us, and he sacrifices for us, Right? Jesus always turned the world system upside down. Actually, really right side up, right? To make it right. And I lost my train of thought. Where was I? Uh, Where was I going with that? So, identity. So, when I discover... Who I am in him, that I am a new creation i'm I'm the righteousness of God, I am ac- accepted and blessed and chosen and destined and empowered and forgiven and by the way, that uh who we are in Christ from A to Z uh when I did that last week, I wrote that years ago when my kids were small because i I wanted something uh I wanted to create these triggers I wanted to be able to say letter A, and they knew, hey, I'm accepted. Letter B, I am blessed. I wanted something that was simple and that it would trigger their memory of who they are in Christ because I know, and, and, and even knowing this and trying to do this, we still had to contend with this. I, I knew preacher's kids. You know, they always talk about, oh, that's the preacher's kid. And they were always the worst kids in youth group, right? They were always the worst kids in church a lot of times, right? And I didn't want my kids to be like that. I, I, I didn't want them to live out of this pressure of, you're the pastor's kid, so you better do what's right. Everyone's watching us, you know? Um, although sometimes just by default, sometimes that would happen. But I wanted them to live their lives out of their identity of who they were in Christ, that you're accepted, you're blessed, you're chosen. That's who you are in Him. Well, anyway, so I, I shared that last week and with we a number of people that said, hey, uh, can you send that to us? And since the time I wrote that, I've gone through a lot of computers, and it's probably on a flash drive somewhere. And and I will find that, and I'll repost it. If I don't find it, then I will recreate it, and we'll get that to you, and we'll put it out there. Um, but it's so important. That's how we live our life because when I, when my we go the kingdom way and inside out, and I know who I am in Christ, it changes what I believe about me. Amen? When I know that I'm accepted, when I know that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, that changes what I believe about me. And when I change what I believe about me and about God and about others, That's what changes my capabilities. That's what changes my set point. That's where now I'm no longer a thermometer. I'm a thermostat right? Now the governor has been removed and I'm not locked into 75, 80, or 85 miles an hour. Now if I need to go 100 to make the change, I can because it's not flowing from environment on up. It's flowing from identity on out and I know who I am in Christ. It's changed what I believe and that belief wipes out the governor. It Now there's no limitation, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I got a whole new set of set points, which ultimately, now that changes how I live. It changes how I behave, and that ends up changing the environment. So now when I walk into an environment, I'm a thermostat, I'm not, I'm a, I'm not a thermometer. But it isn't because I'm trying harder. It isn't because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pray through. No, I've repented. I've, I, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God, this out, inside out, the kingdom of God, the way it operates, the way it functions. See, the kingdom means the king's domain. And so Jesus is the king of kings and the domain. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus is the king. He came to take up residence because he rose again from the dead. And through the new birth, the kingdom is established within you. You have a new identity. You're a kingdom citizen, right? Right? Scripture talks about in that we are a chosen, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. The kingdom, the king's domain is now within me. That's part of my identity. And it flows inside out and it changes everything. Amen? And so um, that's what we're talking about. That's um, what we're focusing on. So we're gonna pick it up in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. We looked at this verse last week and it says, Before I formed you in the womb, God says, I knew you, Um, and before you were born, I set you apart, I appointed you. So before we did anything, and we use the example of when we had our kids. You know, when Christy and Drew and, and Josh were born, I fell head over heels in love with these little people that all they did was poop and cry and eat. They didn't do anything productive at all. In fact, they cost me money. They didn't contribute to our home. They took from our home. They took time. They took effort. They took money. They took energy. But I willingly and most of the time gladly, (laughs) except for sleep sometimes. That wasn't gladly. That was begrudgingly at times. Um but I'm human. God is not human. He's not limited by that. The, the one who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. And and so me being flawed in my love for them, I just, it was my joy the majority of the times and delight to, to just love them. And I just wanted what was all that was good for them and and it was—they didn't contribute anything. It was before they ever were on the A.B. honor roll or the A. honor roll or excelled in sports or before they—they they did anything. They were just there and cried and pooped and ate, and I loved them and would do anything for them and would die if necessary so they could live and. I'm flawed. My love is imperfect. So how much more is our heavenly father that way toward us? And so he's, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you, I loved you. And before you were born, you didn't have to perform. You didn't have to earn. He approves, he accepts, he adores you. And it changes everything. When that is your identity, And when we live, I am loved by God and we live from that identity. Now we're not trying to be a good Christian so God's not mad. No, we're not trying to be a good Christian because I just want to please God. No, now we're living pleasing to God because I just realize how loved I am and I just love him back and I love him because he first loved me. And I believe that's the biblical Christianity. That's what our hearts long for. Not rules, not regulations, not we well, need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do it. No, just, just live out of this identity. And so now when I'm in the Bible and I'm in scripture, remember James talks about how God's word is a mirror. Well, when I stand up in the mirror and, and yeah, the mirror does show me if my hair bedhead and my hair's all funky, it does that. And God's word shows me where my belief systems aren't lining up with who he says I am, right? And I need to adjust those. But in a mirror, I discover who I am. So as I read God's word, it, it yeah, and God corrects you and he, he aligns your beliefs with the truth because the truth will set you free. But mostly as I'm in the word as a mirror, it's not about, um, it's, it's really showing me who I am now that I am in Christ Jesus. Amen? Because we tend to forget. we We tend to go back to those identities we picked up, those lies we picked up, it, growing up in the home we lived in, and that's performance based, or right? And we get caught up into that and we forget. And so we go back to the word and we are reminded oh, yeah, this is who I am. It's not about trying harder, it's not about being better. This is who I am. And we saw how that word know means uh, in the Hebrews, the word yadin, it means to know, to learn, to perceive. To see, and by the way, just to clarify, when I gave the example of that God sees you, I I put two stories together with Hagar and Ishmael. Uh, Hagar and Ishmael has actually kicked out of Abraham's family or home two different times, one in Genesis 16 and another in Genesis 21. And I kind of combined the two accounts. It's been a while since I'd read that, and I just combined them. But the the first time they were kicked out, God told uh, Hagar, hey, you need to go back, go back. to to Sarah. She was treated harshly and hurt her feelings. She just left and God said, hey, go back. And, And that's where Hagar said, hey, you are the God who sees me. Amen. And then Genesis chapter 21 is the account where she leaves for good, that she gets kicked out and Abraham sends her with some water and uh, she runs out of water and, and puts her Ishmael underneath a shade because she doesn't want to see him die. But, but God intervenes and, and provides and, and takes care of them. And I kind of combine those two stories. But God, he sees you, amen? It, there's not any circumstance or situation that you go through that, that God doesn't see you. He, he uh, has discerned you. He dis, you're distinguished to him. He recognizes you. He, he acknowledges you. He uh considers you, instructs you, and it includes observation. God observes you. You're just like you, you ever watch your kids? You ever, you ever watch them when they were babies, even with their adults I, and I love it. I observe them when they're just goofy and, and and it's funny we uh yesterday we were uh we went out of town, we caught a ranger game Friday night and uh and they lost, and they lost the last time we went to, so we're thinking about not going anymore. Because they lose when we're there, and then the next game we don't see, they win. So, I guess we're we're, we're jinxing them. Maybe I don't know. Um, but we had a good time. Uh, went into over, and went 12 innings, by the way, because um, no one scored, and and then Toronto scored and and won. But uh, but we we made up for it last night. We won eight to five. So go Rangers. Um, but went to the game, and then Saturday we celebrated my dad's 80th birthday. And I oh, love my dad. He's such a um, just such a great man. He's my best friend and uh, he was the best man in my wedding and worked for the ministry for a number of years. And uh, he's just impacted my life more than he he will probably ever know. And uh, we had a great time and and I knew we got him. It's great. He's probably the only 80 year old man with an Apple watch, you know, because I knew there's no way he's going to buy himself a watch, an Apple watch. He had looked at him and showed some interest, but like me, I never bought one. my kids, uh, all the watches I have owned, my kids bought them for me because they knew dad ain't gonna spend the money, so they would spend the money and get it for me. Um, and so I knew my dad the same way; he's not gonna spend the money. So I, we, we blessed him with an Apple Watch and hooked it up and had a great time. Why did I tell you that? Um, oh, observation. So we were, uh, uh, we were, we were heading home, and I'm trying to remember what Christy did, but. Um, I can't remember now, but what I do remember is Christy's driving and and, and Shelly is riding and I'm reading a book uh, on Kindle uh, in the back seat and and, and Shelly reaches her hand back and, and I grabbed her hand and and moved forward and she said, you know, I just, I can't remember what Christy did. I don't remember if it was a, something she said or the way she said it, but she said, you know, I love that about her. I just, I just, I love that about our daughter, you know? And and so I, I think, how would that impact your life if you allowed your heavenly father to speak to your heart about what he loves about you? That in the midst of you enjoying, there's a reason you even like the hobbies you like. Hmm? You know, I love chariots of fire. I love... Uh, one of the quotes in that movie is he run, he's running, and you know he was going to be a missionary or do, but he he's fell in love with running and kind of abandoned the mission field and and uh, and I remember this line when someone confronted him about that and he said, you know what, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. You know, so maybe you could say when I fly fish, I s- sense God's pleasure. You know when I'm jamming out to one of my favorite songs and dancing because no one's watching or I don't think they are. I feel God's pleasure. You know, he rejoices over you with singing, scripture says, he observes you and he enjoys you. Uh, Care, recognition to mark, to fully understand. You know, one of my greatest struggles as a leader, as a person in relationships, one of the reasons I am a um, a recovering people pleaser is because I hate being misunderstood. Shelly has always had this capacity and this ability. If she cannot do something, she just says, no. And to me, I'm like, you just told them no? She's like, Yeah, no is a word (laughs) that you need to discover. Uh, And if you say no, period, that in and of itself is a complete sentence. I'm like, I want to be like you when I grow up. Because I'm afraid, I've had this fear of if I say no, I don't want them to feel rejected. I don't want them to think I'm not interested. So I feel like I have to come up with the three reasons why I can't so they know I still love them and care about them. But Shelly has this ability to just go, no, we're not gonna be able to do that. And she doesn't mean it mean, it doesn't mean, and I'm like, don't you feel like you have to explain so they don't feel? And she goes, no, because the burden of if they feel offended or whatever is on them, that's not on me. I want an offensive, and I'm not going to go no, I mean, I'm not going to do it like that, but it's no, we're not going to be able to go um but I, i'm not I'm not being offensive i'm not I'm just telling the truth that I'm not going to be able to go. enough is said. I don't need to and so someone told me years ago, I had an elder tell me, you need to quit being a jedi j e d i you don't have to justify, explain, defend, or interpret every decision you make. Yeah, it's so good. I wish I could live by it, but I'm learning. Identity, identity. I'm learning to change the way I believe. That it's, you know. So so God, He fully understands you. Amen. He gets you. All our weaknesses, all our strengths, He gets you. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. And I love this in the message. It says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Now, this means you as well. And listen, I know, you ever gone to Ancestry.com? Have you ever gone? Some of you may have, some of you may not, some of you may not care. And sometimes it's really cool. You know, Josh just dis- discovered his great, 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 I think, I think three greats, great, great grandfather on Shelly's mother's side He knew about some of, uh, you know, my parents and their background from from, uh, Denmark and uh, Shelley's from Scotland, um, but discovered that uh, that side of the family was uh, Switzerland, had Swiss. Gottlieb was the last name, and he just, so that's what he wanted to talk about all weekend was all that. And that's cool, and it's fascinating, and it's interesting, and, you know, and it's cool to know your culture, and we appreciate that. Cinco de Mayo was Uh, today right Cinco de Mayo is today yesterday was the fourth may the fourth be with you I hope you had a okay hope you had a great time and made all the Star Wars jokes but you know Cinco de Mayo you know we, we 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 celebrate uh primarily Mexico's independence from uh symbolic independence from the French by the way in case you didn't know really it's just really an excuse to have fun and eat tamales and drink beer I guess but um but anyway, there is significance behind the celebration. It's it's uh, symbolic um, of uh, their independence from the uh, from the um, from the French. Um, and by the way, we make way more of a big deal about it here than they do in Mexico. By the way, like I said, we take it America, right? We do that well. We take Christmas, commercialize it, baby, <laughs> right? We could sell stuff, <laughs> right? Easter, Easter, we could sell stuff. We've done the same thing, kind of a Cinco de Mayo, and we kind of forget the whole reason we ever celebrate it. So, my Chicano brothers and sisters, read your history on why we celebrate, huh? Because uh, I read about it; it's pretty interesting, pretty fascinating. So, not saying we downplay culture and culture doesn't matter, but what I am saying is, it, we got to go beyond that, and we have to stop evaluating others and ourselves from just a human point of view. Come on, how many of us have said that? Well, you know what? I'm Irish. I got red hair, so I got a temper. Yeah, but your new creation in Christ; that trumps that, right? Well, you know when I'm Mexican, man. I will cut you. Right? Or, or, or whatever it is we, we, we use to justify and explain. Many times we use our culture, we use our upbringing. And, and I'm not saying that that's not special, and I'm not saying we don't acknowledge it. We just got to go beyond that. So we stop evaluating other people. How many times have you done that with other people? Well, they are a redhead. They are a redhead. They are a person of color. And your point is, that's the amount of pigment or melanin in your skin. What does that have to do with anything? Right? We use it. It's where racism comes from. It's where prejudice comes from. So at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. Example, case in point, you remember Jesus, he, in one of the gospels, uh, he, he was in his own hometown of Nazareth, and the Bible says that, not that he wouldn't, but he couldn't do any mighty miracles there because of their unbelief, and so because of that, he went, he went on a circuit, and he began to teach okay, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But it says he could do, not wouldn't, he was willing, but he couldn't do many mighty miracles there. He healed a few sick people, but he couldn't do everything he wanted to do. He was limited by their unbelief. Okay, and before that, it says this, they said, hey, isn't this Jesus of Nazareth? Isn't his, his mother, Mary, and his father, Joseph? And, and aren't these his brothers and sisters? His brother, James? And so in other words, they just recognized him from a human point of view. Another example is Jesus is with his disciples and he asked them, who do men say that I am? Well, Peter gave the example, you know what? Some say Elijah, some say you're a prophet, some say you're a great teacher. In other words, everyone's opinion of you is from a human point of view. And then Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter has this revelation from the Father. You are the Christ. You're more than Jesus of Nazareth. Mary was just the vessel from which you came, but you are the Christ You are the son of the living God. You are the the prophecy, the word made flesh. Everything that was prophesied in the old, you were him in the flesh, the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, wow, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven showed you who I really was. Amen? So we no longer... Evaluate others from the human point of view. And listen, you will will always evaluate your life and the life of others from a human point of view unless you allow God to tell you who you are. You will never live life at the level God created you to live it until God defines who you are. You'll, You'll hit the set point And limitations of what your mom and dad told you, your your heritage, your background, your upbringing, your experiences, and all of those are limited. All of those are flawed. As loving, as great as my parents are, I love my dad. I just said how much I love my dad and how he has impacted my life, but he's not who defines me impacted me, was part of that process. But my heavenly father, right? I got to know who I am in him. And that's why as an earthly father with my kids, I wanted them to know, I can't tell you who you are. But God says you're accepted, you're blessed, you're chosen, you're destined, you're empowered, you're forgiven. Amen, because there's gonna come a point where you're just gonna go, yeah, that's dad, that's mom. That's just what they do. That's just what they preach. So you gotta have a revelation from God and allow him to tell you who you are and choose to believe that. That's what's gonna set you free. That's what's gonna make a difference. Are you with me? So this means, so at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. A gift is something, I got my dad an Apple watch. It's a gift, it's an expression of love. It's not earned, it's not deserved. It's just something that's freely given as an expression of love, amen? So all of this, this new identity is is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation, which is what? Stand up on a street corner with a megaphone saying, turn or burn, right? No, that is not a wonderful message of reconciliation, that you're freaking me out. Right? No, the wonderful message of reconciliation is that God in Christ is no longer counting our sins against us because he shed his blood and rose again from the dead and all you have to do is accept the payment of that for your sin and you can be set free too. That's the wonderful message of reconciliation, that God's not mad at you. He swore he would never be angry again. It's what the cross and the resurrection were all about. And yet we still pick at the abortion clinics. We still go to the lesbian and gay pride and parades or we go to Mardi Gras and and we tell people how horrible they are and we're surprised on why it's just not that effective. Because that's not the wonderful word of reconciliation. The wonderful word of reconciliation is that Jesus came, shed his blood, and rose again from the dead to tell you who you really are and to set you free and to give you a new life and to make you a new creation. What do we do? We focus on environment and behavior. They're lesbians. They're gays. That's wrong. We said, take the behavior. No, go to the identity. Jesus came to give you a new identity. That's the good news. Glad That went well. <laughs> so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Amen? Go to Genesis chapter 1, and we will close with this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. Genesis chapter 1. This isn't up on the screen, so open up your Bible app. Get your Bible. I want you to see this, okay? Genesis chapter 1, or you could just listen really well. I'm going to read this out of the New King James, and here's what I want you to follow, so that we really get rooted and grounded in this truth that our our identity is new creations that's in Christ Jesus. Watch this. Now, at this point, when we come up to Genesis chapter one verse eleven, God has already created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and it was, there was chaos and darkness hovered over the face of the earth. Some scholars believe that through Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, that's when Satan was thrown out of heaven and it knocked the earth into chaos and created darkness. Some scholars buy that, some don't, really don't matter, it's just a thought, it's just a theory, kind of interesting. But needless to say, the heavens and the earth already exist and God already spoke there was nothingness, and there was, all there was is darkness, and God said, let there be light. Well, now he's about to change some things, and when God created let there be light, he created something out of nothing. Are you with me? But now his creation is about to change, and he's about to create things the way we create things. See, we can't create something out of nothing. Only God can do that we have to have a tree and then we create a table. We can create hardwood floors. We can create uh, chairs. We can create keyboards. We can create drums, right? But we can't create a tree. We can plant a seed and grow the tree and water the tree and nurture the tree, but we can't create a tree out of nothing like God, right? Okay. So God created the heavens and the earth and he said let there be light and he created something out of nothing but now from verse 11 on when he goes into creating things he speaks to either the heavens or the earth to create the rest of creation so i want you to follow this pattern and see this in genesis uh, chapter 1 verse 11 it says then god said let the land or the earth So God is speaking to what? He's talking to the land or the earth. Let the earth or let the land bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. So now instead of creating something out of nothing, when God creates all of the vegetation, the rose bushes, the pecan trees, um. Uh, when he creates all the herbs and garlic and, and rosemary and, and thyme and, and all the things we, we enjoy in, in a salad, all the vegetation, he speaks to the earth and the earth brings it forth. Are you, you got that? Go to verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens. So he speaks to the heavens. He already created the heavens and the earth. So he created. The, he spoke to the earth to create the vegetation. Now we speak into the heavens to create the sun, moon, and stars. So let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, sun, the lesser night light to rule the night, the moon. He made the, the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth through the day and over the night and divide the light from the darkness. So we see that when God created the sun and the moon and the stars, he spoke to the heavens the same way when he created all the vegetation and the trees and the fruit and the herbs and the plants, he spoke to the earth. Do you see that so far? Okay, let's move on. Verse 20. Then God said, let the water. So God spoke to the earth then and created the vegetation. He spoke to the heavens, created the sun, moon, and stars. Now he's speaking to the water, which the majority of the earth at this time was water. Later, remember, God separates the dry land from the, from the water. But just like today, the earth is still majority water. And so he speaks to the water and he says, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures, let the birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and everything that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind. So God created Shamu, and he created uh, Jaws, and he created Finding Nemo, and he, he created salmon, and he created catfish, and he created bass, and he created marlins, and he created swordfish, and hammerheads, and right? He created all the sea creatures. So when God created the vegetation, He speaks to the earth. When He created the sun, moon, and stars, He speaks to the sky. When He creates all the, um, the fish and the sharks and the whales, then He speaks to the water. Are you following? And then verse 24, then God said, let the Earth, he's back into speaking to the earth like he did vegetation. Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing, and the beasts of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. So God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw it was good. So he created dogs and cats and lions and tigers and bears. Yes. So God created all the animal kingdom. Right? By speaking to the earth. So when he created all the vegetation, the trees, the fruit, uh, the tomatoes, the salads, he spoke to the earth. When he created the sun, moon, and stars, he spoke to the heavens. When he created the, the fish and the dolphins and the whales and the salmon and finding Nemo, he spoke to the water. And when he created all the animal kingdom, he spoke to the earth again, just like he did when he created vege- vegetation. Now, here's the interesting thing. Whatever environment God crea- uh, called out of Whatever he created out of the environment he spoke to, they have to stay connected to that environment from which they were created or they die. For example, because God spoke to the earth and said, let the earth bring forth vegetation, if you remove a tree or a plant or a rose or a flower, if you remove it from the earth, it dies oh it will look real pretty in a water full of vase for a little while but it's just a matter of time it begins to droop and then it's dead and you have to throw it out right because god spoke to the environment of the earth and vegetation has to stay connected to the environment of the earth or it dies Uh, i always loved it uh As a kid, love it as an adult. Don't you love when you look up at the sky and you go, and your kids get really excited. I love it. There's a shooting star. There's a falling star or a shooting star, right? And you see that star go. And then the thing that really begins to blow your mind is you, you learn from science and school and whatnot that, okay, what you're just now seeing right now in this moment as a star dying because of the speed of light, it actually died several years ago but you're just now seeing it and you're like, whoa, right? But it's just cool, right? My point is, as long as the star is connected to the firmament from which it was created, it shines. But the moment it leaves the heavens, it's extinguished. It no longer emits light because it's no longer in the heavens from which it was created. You take a fish out of water, what happens? It looks dumb, it looks lifeless. It's just flopping on the ground because that fish was created out of the environment of the water or the ocean. A dolphin, they look so cool. Even before they're trained, they will jump up in the air, they will spin. They will do all these tricks and do these amazing things. You put that dolphin on the land, even though it breathes land, it doesn't even breathe air, it's a mammal, it doesn't breathe water like some fish do, but it was created as a sea creature. It was created, that's where it thrives, right? You put it on the land and go, hey, do tricks. Right? It won't jump through a hoop. It won't spin. It'll just kind of flop. Flipper will not do good, (laughs) right? And you have to put it back into the water because that's what it came from. You take an animal, you take a dog. Now, a dog now knows how to swim but you wanna figure out how long? No, we don't wanna do that to our puppy. perro, perrito. Right, right? No, we love our dogs and our dogs can swim and it's cool when they swim, but dogs thrive on the land because they were created out of the earth. They weren't created out of the water like fish. And so although they can swim, they can only do that so long. And if there isn't dry land to return to from which they were created, they will eventually tire and they will drown because that's not the environment from which they were created. They were created from the earth. So everything God created from then on, he speaks to in the environment and creates that. And as long as they stay in the environment from which he creates them, they live. The moment they leave the environment from which God originally created them, they die. Do you see that? Now watch this. God creates us. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Then God said, let, what's the word? Us, let us, let us. In other words, us meaning the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us make human beings in, in our image. So when God created the plants, he spoke to the earth. When God created the sun, moon, and stars, he spoke to the heavens. When he created all the sea creatures and fish, he spoke to the water. When he created the animals, he spoke to the land again, the earth. But when he created us, he spoke to himself. Because in him we live and move and have our being. And just like, that's, didn't Jesus say, I am the vine and you are the branch? As long as you abide in me, as long as you're connected to me, you live, But right? But if, if you're disconnected and that's what happened, that's the problem Jesus came to solve. So when Adam sinned, it wasn't the sin so much as good and bad behavior. What happened is Adam was like a fish that left water. He left the tree of life and went and began to eat from the knowledge, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So he's basically a fish out of water. A plant that was plucked out of the ground and put in a vase and it looks all pretty, but we know it's a matter of time, it looks ugly. Keep it there long ago, it stinks, right? So anytime we try to live life apart from the source we were created, we die. And so that's the problem Jesus came to solve. So when Jesus came, and this is why identity changes. When Jesus came, the problem he came to solve was to to take us as fish and put us back in the water, to, re, to take us as a plant and reconnect us to Father God, right? So now that we're, and the great thing about that is once we're recreated to our right environment, you know what? Jesus said, no one can pluck you out of my hand. No one can take you out of that. But the frustrating thing about Christianity and living, living this Christian life is we try to operate in an environment by learning from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead of learning from the environment from which we were created. So God never intended, that's why when we read God's word, that's why people can take the Bible and make it say they kill people in the name of reading the Bible. That's why people can do that because they read it with the wrong spirit. They read it with the wrong heart. They read it with the wrong intent. Does this make sense? In other words, they read it through the lens of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Instead of reading it from the viewpoint and the perspective of this lens of this is my identity, this is showing me who I am in Christ, who you are in Christ, and I no longer hold an opinion of me or you that's merely from a human point of view. I refuse to see you as just German or Mexican or black or white or male, or female. I refuse to see you just by that. I'm not saying those don't matter. I'm not saying there's not special things in culture or roles and identity. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that is a limited view of who you were created to be. And Paul says we no longer view others, including ourselves, from merely a human point of view. That's what they did with Christ and they limited him. He could no longer do any mighty miracles there. But when we allow God to show us who we are in him, just like he showed Peter who Jesus was, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. When we allow God to show us who he recreated us to be in Christ Jesus, we begin to swim, baby. We begin to fly. We begin to shine. We begin to thrive and grow because we're reconnected back to the environment from which we're created, which is God. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Amen? So that's Christianity. That's discipleship. So when someone gets born again, how many dolphins do you see giving their baby dolphins swim lessons? They already know. What do we do though? Someone gets saved. Okay. Okay tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We try to teach a fish, a new creation, how to swim. Instead of just saying, swim, you're a fish, fish swim. That's what you do. I'm praying for you. I'm encouraging you check this verse out. This is who you are now. Swim. Watch how I do it. Watch this flip. And we do a flipper flip. it, Right? We just show it, right? This, this is in them. They're new creations. Then we have three of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, now that you're saved, brother. Now that you're saved, brother. Oh, that's real spiritual when you do that. Now that you're saved, brother. Now, now you, you can't do this. You can't do that, right? Your hair needs to be this long. I know we don't really do that much these days, but they used to. Some churches still do, right? Women don't cut their hair. They put it up in a bun. Never wear, uh, they don't wear jeans to church. Wear a dress. Why? Because that's holy. Okay, and don't listen to this music and don't go to, don't you dare watch Game of Thrones. Go straight to hell watching that trash. Don't watch Game of Thrones. Uh, Don't, right? We have our tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we begin to, and that's how we disciple. And you need to read at least three chapters in your Bible every day. You need to spend at least 30 minutes, at least 30 minutes a day praying. And so they're like, okay, okay, I'm really saved. And I, wanna, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Now, You know, I, I want to get this right. Okay, so, so don't smoke, dip, chew. You no know, Game of Thrones. Hang around others who do. Uh, okay, okay, read my Bible and pray. Anything else? You just keep coming to church. We'll keep telling you the rules you need to That's our discipleship system and process. Instead of showing them who they are, and once they discover and they grow in the grace and the knowledge of God and who they are in Christ Jesus, they'll start swimming. They will swim and they'll get faster and they'll be able to go to the bigger currents, and what they watch and what they do and what they say, that will begin to change automatically. You won't have to go, well, brother, you you won't have to tell them, quit drinking a 12-pack every night. They'll be drinking their six-pack while they're reading their Bible. Wow. Give me another beer, mama. And then they'll come across a verse that says, hey, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And they'll begin to realize, oh, that's me. That is me. And all of a sudden, now it won't flow out of the world to be a good Christian. You know, I don't need to drink a six-pack every week. Now, all of a sudden, they they find themselves in the book. They find who they are. And they realize, oh, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they begin to realize, you know what? That's who I am. I am filled with the Spirit. And you know what? This stuff is tasted. You know what? I'm just going to drink one tonight. I'm good. but it's not trying. It's not trying, well, I want to be a good Christian. I don't want to offend uh, brother, Pastor Todd or I don't want to offend this brother or, or this sister. And so when I come into the restaurant and they say, that's his. It's his. Yeah, not me. I don't drink. It's Rita's, not mine. <laughs> okay. Now, so, so now I'm not I'm not trying to live up to someone's expectations. Now, if I'm changing or limited when I drink or whether I don't drink at all or whatever the issue is, I'm using drinking because it's a common deal. Example. But now it's flowing out of the changes happening because of my identity, not because I'm trying to drink from, I mean, eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I think this is good because that's what they said. And this is bad because that's what they said. And now it's effortless. Now I'm swimming like a fish in water. Does this make sense? Did you learn something today? All right, we're out of time. Yeah, give the Lord a shout of praise. Father, we thank you for who you are, what you've done. We thank you for the problem you came to solve, that you didn't come to make good people, bad people, good. Lord, you came to make dead people alive and Lord, I thank you as new creations in Christ that now that we're in you, we've been made alive. And Jesus, we want you to express your life through us, through our temperament and our genders and our cultures and our different backgrounds and the things that make us unique. Lord, that you would express an aspect of who you are. uh, uh, Lord, a character trait, of who you are through us to other people. Because we've been given this ministry of reconciliation, telling others, sharing the good news, be reconciled, come back to God. Father, help us with that. Forgive us for the times that we've run back into the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to define our walk with you and help us stay and enjoy eating from the tree of life, which is you, Jesus. Help us read our Bible through the lens of the tree of life, not the lens of the knowledge of good and evil. Help us live our lives and adjust the attitudes and the characteristics in our life, not based on good and bad, but because your life is dictating our behavior. Your life is dictating our attitude.